that. So today, I want you to look at this text in John chapter 9. It is um, a text that could be very familiar to many. So let's start reading here at verse 1. This is John chapter 9. Start reading at verse 1. And it reads, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the earth, I am the light of the world. When he uh, had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, the man said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes open? He said, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. For our time together today, I want to talk to you from this thought. A clear place. A clear place. Let's pray together, Father. I thank you for this preaching moment. And I ask you today, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would allow us to hear you, in this message I pray God that you would speak to the places of uncertainty that you would bring clarity to the foggy and dim places of our lives that you would bring confirmation as only you can now I pray that you think through my mind speak through my mouth give me clarity of thought and agility of wit Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm back home in Durham right there, buddy. Uh, this morning, I want to introduce you to a different principle. Um, you've heard me talk about the principle of first mention. I want to talk to you today and bring you up to speed on a principle that's called the principle of the place. The principle of the place. Because it's important for you to know that this principle suggests that your welfare and your well-being are not just affected by who you are, but it is also affected by where you are that the principle of the place is a thing. We see this principle of the place in the creation story. Because when God created, listen, 
when God created the birds, he did not create the birds first. He created the sky. Then he created the birds. He did not create the fish first. He created water and then the fish. Y'all with me? Not animals. He did land and then animals. Okay. Then he goes on the sixth day and he created man. Okay. And so because we tend to be arrogant people, we'll think, or an arrogant species, we'll think, well, he should have created man first since we're going to have dominion. Well, he didn't create man first because he waited to create man. He waited until after everything man needed to not just survive, but thrive was in place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because think about this. No matter how powerful a whale is or how dangerous a shark is, both of them are weakened when you have them on land. Think about it, because you can go up to a whale on land and kick him. You wouldn't try that if he was in water. Because place matters. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are many things in life that are weakened when it is taken out of the proper place. I really could be finished preaching right there. Because many of us are not in the right place, and then we wonder why our lives are not happening, why we're not thriving, because you're not in the right place. Because God operates on the principle of the place. Man, we see the same principle in a story that, that the Bible t- entitles or, or editors of the Bible called, called is it the uh, prodigal son. All right, and so many of you know that story. For those of you that don't, let me give you a high-level view. It was a son who, uh, there was two sons in the house. One son said he, he was ready to go and wasn't feeling the house anymore. It was just time to go. And he knew that his daddy had an inheritance for him, but he got tired of waiting for his dad to die to get it. So basically, he says to his dad, I want my inheritance right now. What he was saying to his daddy in Hebrew culture is basically, you're dead to me. I'm sick of your rules. I'm sick of your mouth. I just want my stuff. And the Bible says that his daddy was like, you know what? I'd rather for it not to be this way. But you know what, son? Here's your stuff. And the Bible says that the boy left and his life went downhill. Listen, because he was trying to get out of the place that he saw as a prison, but was really his protection. And so his life went downhill because he left protection. In the house, he was mad, but he was thriving. Out in the world, he was glad, but his life sucked. Can I say that and you not be offended? Okay, I just want to make sure. So we see, so we see that in that text that place matters. Everybody say place matters. Yeah, I want you to live. I want you to thrive and not just live. I, I want you to thrive and not just live. And the principle of the place, when you understand it, helps you thrive and not just live. So in our text today, we see Jesus coming from one place into another 
with his disciples. And we see here a miracle narrative. There's a blind man and his Jesus's disciples are intrigued and they ask Jesus, hey, you know everything. Why is this guy blind? Who sinned him or his parents? Because there was a train of thought that speaks to the fact that your suffering has everything to do with your level of sin. Okay. Uh, One thought believed that the sin of the parents would visit the sin of the the lives of the children. And so because the parents sin, the kids suffer. There is another train of thought. This is what's really interesting because when they say who sinned, uh, the mother or him, you got to really look at this. And I don't have a whole lot of time to deal with it. But think about this. The text says that the man was blind from birth. So then how could he sin if he was born blind? Well, there's a train of thought that comes, comes from uh, Genesis that when Esau and Jacob were in their mother's womb, they were fighting in the womb. And so there's a train of thought that says because they were fighting in the womb, somebody started the fight. And as a result, there was sin in the womb. So when you were born, you could be born with sin. And now, hey, maybe he's blind because he's sin in the womb. Jesus says, ooh, y'all getting on my nerves. Okay, maybe he didn't say that's what I would have said. Just ask me what's the deal. Because it's amazing how people who walk with Jesus can look at life with a judgmental filter. I'm a disciple, but you're judging. We don't like to hear that kind of talk in church. I'm not talking about fruit inspecting. I'm talking about you judging. Because you went straight to sin opposed to purpose. God, what's up right here? So anyway, I don't have time to deal with that. Jesus says um, God's want, God wants to be manifested. The power of God and the purpose of God wants to be manifested here. And so that's what's happening. So he is blind. In all of the synoptic gospels, in all of the gospels rather, uh, all four of them you'll see stories and miracles about the blind. In the text of Scripture, being blind means they blind. It is literal. They cannot see. In the world of the text, it's it's literal. Listen, in our world, this is metaphorical because being blind in our world metaphorically is number one, if you're writing, you can write this down. I don't have notes for you today, so you're going to have to glean from, be discerning for what the Lord wants you to have. Uh, Number one, blindness means people who are living visionless lives. And the Bible teaches us that that's not a good thing because it says where there is no vision, the people perish. So blindness is metaphor is a metaphor for visionless lives. You, listen, there are some people who make decisions about their lives because they don't have a vision for their lives. You choose today because you haven't seen past today. 
you spin today because you haven't seen past today. And so you spend all your money. And so by the time Monday comes back around, you broke. Because you didn't envision, your, envision yourself after the weekend. You didn't envision yourself needing to eat on Monday. You didn't envision yourself needing a, a gas on Monday. You see what I'm saying? To get to A or B, visionless lives. Blindness is a metaphor for us. That Here's another one. Second one is, it is a metaphor for people who do not have self-awareness. It is a metaphor for people who are blind when it comes to themselves. You might know some people like that. You know some people that regardless of every area of their lives, home, church, work, relationships at every level, it's never them. It's always somebody else. Oh, you... The way y'all grown, you must know somebody like that. Y'all was like, ooh, just keep looking straight ahead and they won't know I'm talking about them. <laughs> that people, you know people like that. It's like, it's like they go to different jobs and at every job they got the same problem, but they never realize that, wait a minute, I'm the common denominator. Over that, at that job, we had the same problem. And you know, don't bring that stuff to me because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, you, wait. Oh, you went back to company A? No, I left them two years ago. But, but you, you told me that this happened at company A, now you're at company B? And it happens again? What, are you kidding me? Your life must be on candy camera. You just got, you, somebody's just following you around, creating it. Or is it you? You've seen people that jump from church to church? Because I don't know about them over there. You know, they, they got problems, they got issues. I bet you if you went back now, they might not because you left. <laughs> Self-awareness. Self-awareness. We're blind. Those are the people who live with blind spots, but they can't see anybody's but up. They can't see their own. They always see everybody else's but themselves. You get what I'm trying to say, right? So Jesus is dealing with this blind guy. And in this, blind, in, in this particular narrative, it starts out traditional in that the traditional narrative where the miracle narrative, the traditional miracle narrative is always a need, okay, an encounter, and a miracle. The need, an encounter, and a miracle. Every time you read miracle narratives, it just always happens that way. But Jesus throws in a caveat with this one. Most of the time, particularly in these narratives where it comes to a blind person, Jesus will, you know, spit in the ground, make clay, touch their eyes, and they are healed. There's one guy he touched twice because when the guy started healing, he was like, these lenses don't work, Jesus. I, I thought I was going to be able to live with progressives, but I can't. <laughs> so can you do you mind, Jesus, touch me again? You know, just, just like your optometrist. They be like, you don't like them, we'll change them out. And Jesus says, okay, can you see? And he says, I see men as trees. Jesus says, no sweat, no, no sweat. I'll change your lenses. He touches them again. He said, can you see? He said, I see men as they are. So Jesus will touch and the miracle happens. In this particular text, it does not happen that way. There is a need. There is an encounter, 
Okay? And with this encounter, here's what happens. Jesus spits in the ground. All right? He makes mud or clay, and he anoints the eyes. I know we think that's nasty. Okay? We think that's nasty. And to me, that speaks to how evolved we are, yet uninformed. Because, <laughs> you know, we just think in our society, in our culture today, in today's modern society, you know, global, that, that stuff is just nasty. That's nasty. Because, you know, we're so germ-driven. That's nasty. You'd rather Jesus touch you. We'd be like, wait, 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 Jesus. I got some hand sanitizer. You'd be like, wait, right, right before you touch me, would you take this? I ain't even going to go there. So Jesus spits in the ground because in that day, there was a belief that there was power in saliva. Okay? So now you got to understand Jesus, and I love him, because Jesus flows with the power from the kingdom of God, but with the knowledge of the day. Because he says, I want to step over any barriers you may have. And because you think that there's power in saliva, I'm not so self-absorbed that, you know, I'll be like, well, you know, I I don't even want you to think it's power in saliva. I want you to think it's me and only me. So I ain't going to do none of that. I'm going to tell you, I don't need any of that to heal you. Jesus is like, no, no, no. If this is going to help you receive, if this is going to help you receive, I'll do it the way you're used to getting it. Just so you can be whole, yo. Oh, let, let, let that work for your ministry. Super saved woman or man of God. You out there ministering. I'm going to break that devil of nicotine over your life. I'm going to cast that out of you. You don't want them cigarettes no more. Hey, why don't you try? Go buy a pack. Go out there and as you're opening your mouth to tell them that God loves you. If there's anything you need, they may say, you got a cigarette? You'd be like, yeah, I got a cigarette. And I got a lighter. And while I'm lighting, let me tell you how good God is. Oh, look at y'all. Look at y'all looking at me, your self-righteous selves. You'd receive better if you can just get over the craving that you have. I was watching the other day downtown. I was watching something that happened. This guy came up to this guy, and I didn't know what he said. And I saw the guy who had a cigarette in his mouth reach in his pocket and handed the guy a cigarette. And the dude was like, thank you, man. And he was like, oh, no sweat. They just had a connection over a cigarette. But they don't want your Jesus because you can't meet a need. All right, that's enough because everybody get offended. Get over yourself. Listen, so watch. So now Jesus spits in the ground, makes clay. This is what he does. He anoints the man's eyes. What normally happens in the miracle narrative is after that anointing, there's a healing that happens. In this case, Jesus anoints him and then gives him an assignment. I probably would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I don't think this happened like you didn't do this right. Because normally when you touch people from just what I heard, I mean, I can't see, but I can't hear. I've heard that when you touch, you touch and the people get their stuff back. Hey, it didn't take. Hey, Jesus, it didn't take. I still can't see. (laughs) Because the man now, listen, the man was anointed. 
but not healed. Yikes. See, church has given us this, this tainted vision that because I'm anointed, I'm healed. <laughs> and, and, and we walk around with these, uh, this, um, this, this, uh, we confused that because you have an anointing, you think you're whole and perfect. And Jesus touches this man, anoints the man, and he is not healed. Anointed with no healing. Jesus gives him an assignment. And he says, uh, hey, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. That is it. <laughs> That's just it. I, I just don't know how I would have handled that. Because I'm sitting over here with spit mud. on my eyes spit mud I am blind but you told me to go I, I'm almost thinking like Jesus that's unfair you know what I mean I, you know I would have went straight HR on Jesus like I'm a protected class I, I'm protected class you can't you can't play with me and treat me like that you want me to go to somewhere else other than now, other than where I am. And I can't see. Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It's called sent. So he's anointed and he has an assignment. So he goes to the pool. He gets there some way, somehow. I ain't even going to deal with the fact that people can do what they want to do. If you knew that your life was going to change, if you did it, You'll get there. I don't care how blind you are. So he gets down there. He washes. He can see. So let's go back. So Jesus, I said, Holy Spirit, why did you send him to sent? Because now when you look at the text, the sent one, Jesus, is now sending one, the blind man, to a place called sent. So I said, Holy Spirit, help me understand. He says, now listen, when Jesus anointed him, he gave him a revelation. He gets revelation as to how he will be healed. But he's not healed. Let me, let me make sure I fix this real quick. Church people are real good with thinking that revelation is the end result. It's amazing to me how many church people know so much stuff because we listen to good preaching. And then we memorize Jake's stuff. And so we memorize Jake's stuff and we be in the office telling people, I'm going to bless you with this. I'm going to bless you. Come here, I'm going to just go to the break room because, you know, everybody don't need to hear this just for you. And you just be quoting Jake's stuff. And that's cool. You might quote my stuff. I'm so down with that. Quote my stuff. It's good. But it's only revelation. Okay? Jesus says to him, go to the pool, wash, listen, to get the impartation 
of the miracle. So you have revelation, but until you're obedient, you do not get impartation. Well, where do I get impartation, Jesus? You get impartation at the place. This is why the principle of the place is important. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because Jesus says to him, I know what you need. And I'm going to send you, listen, not to any water, but I want to send you to a specific water because everybody will not be healed by every body of water, but only the body of water that God assigns you to. He says, you can't go to this water over here. You can't go to that one over there, but you have to go to this particular body of water because the the impartation for a miracle for you is at scent. (laughs) Why'd you have to send them to scent, Jesus? Because when you get to scent, you realize that everything ain't perfect at scent. (laughs) You realize that scent ain't the biggest body of water. You realize that scent ain't the cleanest body of water. But so when you ask yourself, what am I doing here? You have to be reminded that I'm here because I was sent. Oh, I got to deal with it. See, listen, if God knows specifically and tells you to go to scent, he should be the only one to tell you to leave. I'm just saying, you can't get sent to a place. And and, and if the question is asked, why are you here? You got to be able to say, I'm sent. Because, see, sometimes we end up at certain places and they ask, why are you here? And you'll have to say, I I just went. But you got to make sure when the question is answered, you can ask, ask the question is asked. You can answer the question that I was sent and not just went. I know, I know, I know I sound like Dr. Seuss right now, I know, but Dr. Seuss is anointed today because I do not like green eggs and ham, but I have been sent by the great I am, and the bottom line is I need to be able to say I am where I am because I was sent here. And see, here is the problem. We want revelation without impartation. And we got to be careful about that. Oh, you ready? There's a story in, uh, in Genesis about these brothers. Brothers. One brother married this girl and died. He died before she got pregnant. And the text says that What was supposed to happen is that the brother of her husband was supposed to go into her and leave seed so she could have a baby in the dead brother's name. Okay, it's called what's called the Leverite marriage. All right. The text goes on to say that when when the guy died, his brother went in or got married to her and he did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord killed him. So then there was another brother named Onan. And Onan went into her. But here's the deal. When he goes into her and it was time to leave seed, the Bible says that he pulled out and emitted on the ground. 
And see, I believe, and this is what I've always taught, that we have to wrestle with the spirit of owning because of that moment. Because the spirit of owning says that I want uh, stimulation, but I don't want impartation. I want to get the cookies, but I don't want to be responsible for what happens after the cookies are baked. It's the spirit of owning. The spirit of owning says that I don't want to leave nothing here because if I leave something here, I'm connected. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I want to be able to stand on the outside and look in so I can judge it and be like, that church ain't all of that. Yeah, they got problems over there. That's because you have never put your whole self into the church. And we have this revelation but there is no impartation because you're not at the place where he told you to be. Listen, I am an advocate. I am, I'm, I'm technology driven. I am. I'm a techie guy. And I'm down with watching TV online. I'm watching TV online, watching TV on TV or watching church on TV, whatever it is, listening to it. I'm down. I want us to get all those streams. But I will tell you that we will not stream until we fill this room up. Because when we start streaming, then the room will go down. I'm not dumb. If I give you options, you're going to take the most convenient one. You think I'm crazy? So the room got to fill up. So when I start streaming, it'll be back to this. Y'all just want me to be spiritual? I got to be business minded. But the problem is you'll watch it online and get revelation. But the impartation only happens when you're at the place. This is where you get it. See, people that don't come to church every Sunday miss the impartation for miracles every week. You miss the impartation for grace every week. You'll get the revelation because you'll hear it, but you don't get the impartation because you're not here. Oh, Pastor, I thought you were talking about getting clear. I am. You smart, but you have no manifestation. Duh, here's how you get, but I'm yelling too. This is, how, this, is, this is how you get clear, not just revelation, but there has to be some impartation. There has to be some miracles in your life that removes the blindness. Listen, revelation tells you how to get healed. Impartation brings about the healing. You ready? Can we go deeper? So Jesus says to him, hey, go wash in scent. He did not say, go sprinkle. He did not say, go splash. He said, go immerse. Well, this is weird to me because I would be like, well, I should be able to just throw some water up on my eyes. And after all, that's, that's where I need the healing. Oh, Lord. Listen, if you go back to one of these blind narratives, we'll find that Jesus says to the blind man, your sins are forgiven. What he needed was healing in his eyes. But what Jesus, who is the great diagnoser, says is no, 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 no. You need more than vision. He says, really, you need your sins to be forgiven so you can be free. And you need to understand freedom at another level. Because if you do not understand freedom at the right level, even though you have sight, you'll still be blind. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus is the great diagnosis. You see, most of us, because we have an anointing, we've been misdiagnosed. And you got somebody standing over you, anointing you, telling you, hey, I'm anointing you because you are a prophet. Great anointing, misdiagnosis. Because David was anointed and was still sent back to the pasture to tend sheep. That's why I have problems with these pastors who have somebody preaching and then give them a license and an ordination the next week. Boy, I see you. You can preach. You got that anointing. Let them have the anointing, but stop diagnosing them. Being anointed does not fix your diagnosis. I'm anointed, but I take insulin. Mm -hmm, Let that sit for a minute. I'm the man of God. I speak life and it happens. I lay hands and see God work. But I'm anointed. Flow prophetically. But I take insulin. Because my doctor got enough sense to know that your anointing has nothing to do with the fact that you got type 2 diabetes. If you're that anointed, get some power to stop eating sweets. You obviously don't have an anointing in that area. So since you are not anointed in that area, I'm going to give you this insulin. So while you laying hands on the people, you pick up your, 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 your stick. Because just because you have the anointing doesn't mean you have been properly diagnosed. So Jesus says to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wash in the pool of scent. The place, listen, the place that I am sending you, I need you to immerse all of you into that place. You keep thinking you just need to put your eyes in. And with the way that I want you to be immersed, your eyes will be two of the last things that go in. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Come on. He says when you immerse yourself, you first start walking in and your feet get covered so your walk can change. Because see, many of you can't see, but you're walking in the wrong direction. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Go a little bit further so your knees can be covered because your prayer life sucks. Get a little bit deeper so the water can cover your loins because your desires are in the wrong place. Go a little bit deeper so your stomach can be covered because you have ingested some stuff that's making you sick. Go a little bit deeper so your heart can change so you can love right and forgive people. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Come on. You got to go a little bit deeper so your neck can be immersed so you can have your, your strength to hold the head upright. I need you to go a little bit deeper so your mouth can get covered so you'll talk the right things. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Go just a little bit deeper so your nose can get covered so you can discern right from wrong. Then we'll deal with your eyes. After your eyes get fixed, you still ain't done. Go all the way in so your mind can get right and you can have right perception about covering. And I keep sending you somewhere and you keep putting your toe in. And you keep wondering why I've been going over here to this church. But ain't nothing changed in my life because you ain't submerged. You keep putting your toe in. Because we put our toes in because we don't want to commit. 
And God says, if you're going to get healing where I send you, you need to be all the way in. It's amazing to me that some of us are waiting for God to do some stuff that he's waiting for us to do. God, I thought you was going to heal my vision. He said, I'm trying to. I sent you to the right place. But you won't put your whole self into it. You went for your money to get right, but you have not submitted your wallet to it. See, let's see, 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 this is the thing that makes pastoring hard. Because people want to talk about, well, I mean, I tried it. You, you can't try giving and see a miracle in your finances. That's like you saying, I'm going to take this $20 bill and just dip it in the water just a little bit and see if my money changed. No, baby, your money not going to change. Your money just will be wet. But if you want to change it, leave your wallet in your pocket and put your whole self in. Because see, then when your hands get changed, your work, your work will change, and your giving will change. See, when your heart gets covered, your motives change, and your giving changes. Because, see, your heart affects your hands, and your hands hold your money. Y'all see that we don't want to talk like this, but I'm trying to help you get clear. You can't get clear on the whole of your life and, not, and say, you know, I just don't want to talk about that, Pastor. Let's not, let's not talk about money. That's all these churches want. Hey, listen, Christ-centered people, get that out of your head. Because we've been 15, we're 15 years old now. As of the 2nd or the 5th of January, we turned 15 years old. And you know that what we have done here is everything we say we're going to do. So that ain't, your, that ain't your testimony. So stop talking about that at the beauty salon. Stop talking about that at the barbershop. Stop talking about that at the lounges where you hang out. Stop talking about that in the break room at work because that is not your testimony. And if you do think that, it's because you're not submerged. It's a clear place. He says, this is where I want you to go. And if you go where I want you to go, I'm the only one that can tell you to leave. If your healing is not manifest, it ain't time for you to leave yet. Maybe you need to go deeper. Maybe you need to submerge to another level. Because what I have for you has everything to do with the place that I've sent you. And you could be like the prodigal son if you want to. Get a blessing and lose the blessing because you're not in the right place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you really think about that, the prodigal son left the house with the blessing in his hand. But the other son stayed in the house and there was a blessing in the house. See, <laughs> edge ain't but so much you can hold in your hand. But if you stay at the place where the blessing is, you are living in the blessing. Listen, opposed to just carrying the blessing. And see, that's the problem that I have with people. You want to carry a blessing so you can look like you're blessed. You want to carry it so you can drive like you're blessed. Come on, you want to live in it just a little bit. You want a little space. I can, everybody just think I'm blessed. See, that's what the world calls flossing. But the people who live in blessing, most of the time don't look like they got nothing.
And we like to go to the edge and be like, you know what? I'm here. I'm here, Pastor. I'm here. <laughs> Them the ones that talk the most, need the most counseling, need the most prayer, because they're not immersed. And when you get immersed in God's, in, in the place where God sent to you, sent you to, there, there are blessings that just happen in your life that you never even have to pray for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't even have to pray for it because you're so immersed. And God looks over in the water. It's like, hey, down there working. Let me fix this. He ain't got enough sense. Don't even know that he need to be asking me for this. Let me just go ahead and work this out because he, had, you, he knows that you have needs before you even ask. And there's sometimes your head is buried in the thing that he sent you to. And he says, I'll work this out while you're down there working my stuff out. So when you come up for air, you'll look around and be like, wow, I didn't even know this happened. <sighs> Man, I got a minute and 48 seconds. Let me say this to you. Be careful that you don't leave sent before it's time. Let me tell you something. This message is your warning. Now, not, not, not the warning of God's going God's to get you. Not that warning. Here's the warning. So in some of my roughest moments in the past year, I talked to my pastor and I said, hey, I'm tired. I, I don't need the pressure of navigating all of this as a senior leader of a church. And this is why wisdom is important. And this is why you got to be all, all the way in at where you've been sent. Because I told my pastor, I said, listen, whatever you think is best for me is what I'm going to do all the way in. He said to me, son, you can't fire yourself from a job you didn't hire yourself to. And when I submerged, I was like, say no more. I ride it out. God was like, that's all I need you to do, son, because I know what's coming down. And you got some revelation, but if you stay where I called you, you're going to get some impartation. And when you look up just to take a break from the work, I'm going to have so many doors open in front of you that you're going to wonder, how did this happen? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And you can't walk away from what God sent you to. Don't leave with just revelation. Revelation is bread. And man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. Come on, Edge, I'm ready. And the principle of the place says this. That my well-being... And my welfare is not just about who I am, but where I am. I'm sure there were streams and rivers that could have been cleaner than scent. Streams and rivers that may even have a little sweet taste if you had to swallow it. Streams and rivers 
that were huge, that were socially accepted, where the affluent hung out. He says, that's not what you need for the kind of miracle that you, that you are in need of. So I want you to go to sin. Watch. And when he comes back to Jesus, he comes back seeing. And another element that happens in the, the uh, miracle narratives, need. All right, there's a, there's a need. There's an encounter. There's a miracle. Watch. There is what, what is called the uh, attestation or the testimony. But it's not the testimony of the one who received the miracle. It's the testimony of those who saw that person in their former state, and now they see him. And so then the question becomes, hey, ain't that the blind guy? Watch. That way he looks so different that some people say, yeah, that's him. Other people say, no, it just looks like him. And then he says, it's me. Because watch, when the miracle of the place rest on your life before you even have to tell anybody they will see it and now the community gets better listen because you went to and stayed to stayed in the place God sent you to so you wonder why your family won't change because you keep hopping around from church to church and they keep saying ain't nothing to this they don't stay at church, but every six months, every six months, they go to some. It's amazing to me how I see I see somebody just the other day on Facebook. And I was like, I, th- I thought you was over there. Oh, they got the celebrity pastor. So now you're over there. Got it. Well, you know, that's been my dad. I've been following him for a long time. That would be called you went. I got it. They hired him. You went over there. I got it. I got it. But I want y'all to be the people that are sent. Because being sent ain't always post-worthy. But there are miracles that follow. (laughs) Come on, man. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. Come on. Let's just be honest with it. I see some of y'all pictures and posts out on your, on your pages about what's happening here at church. I'd be so happy and excited that y'all are like happy and excited. But I'd be sitting there thinking, man, I wish you'd have got a different, it's like a lot of empty seats in there. And I wish you would have got a different angle. Because what happens in here is amazing, but it ain't always post-worthy. Because it doesn't always look like some of the other churches that your friends go to where they ain't got no seats. Y'all want to be real with me? Hey. But what I know is this, that at sent, miracles happen. At ascent, transformation happens. At sent, we see things differently. At sent, we have this marriage of revelation and impartation. The principle of the place will always take you to a life that will cause you to thrive and not just live. Would you stand?
<laughs> when the guy came back, the first question that the community had was, hey, ain't that the beggar? Ain't that the beggar? Because all through the text, we don't even know this guy's name. We just know that from the beginning he was blind. And even after the miracle, we see that they called him the beggar. It's just amazing to me how people will name you because of your deficiency. But even though he was the blind beggar, now he is the one who sees and can testify that it was Jesus. A man named Jesus touched me, told me to go. He sent me to a place, listen, to immerse myself. And as a result, I can see. You call me who I used to be, but most of y'all didn't recognize who I am. That's why he was like, who was that guy? Because I look so different because I did what he told me to do. And in this year of being clear, you have to make sure that you're in the right place. And if you are, this is, this is what I'm learning. Jesus would not have sent you if he didn't know that this was the place that you needed to be. Immerse yourself all the way in. No more edge living. No more just dipping my toe in and we're going on back to the house. Get all the way in. Get all the way in. Because listen, if you have experienced from the edge good stuff, how much more of the change will you experience if you take the dive? This is the year that if you're going to get clear, you got to take the dive. You keep playing it safe. And safe will keep you blind. But immersing will take your life to another level. That's called thriving. Look at somebody and say, all the way in. That's how you're going to get clear. All the way in. Total immersion. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this message. I ask you today that you would cause it to live inside of us. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the grace and the strength to get to the place you're sending us. If we're out of place, tell us. If we're afraid, give us the strength to overcome the fear, to get into all the way into the place that you are sending us to. Thank you, Lord, for knowing where we need to be. Give us what we need to navigate the weeks and the days ahead. Cause our discernment to be keen. Cause our ears to be opened. In Jesus' name, amen.